your co-host of the Lunch Break Podcast. Uh, I have Chris Kurtz on. He's from the Rochester, New York area. He's in the real estate industry. Uh, how are you doing today, Chris? Doing great, Ashad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. You know, one of the things I admire about you and respect you, you know, because we, um, we have our friendship and, and working relationship, is, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur and you've had um, a few businesses over the years. Uh, tell us about your journey becoming an entrepreneur. How did you get into being a uh, CEO? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, mine's a different one. Um, you know, as I get older, I've kind of changed the narrative from a standpoint that I, I generally start with where I am and work backwards because sometimes I find that, you know, my upbringing and, and education or lack of, of traditional education uh, sometimes scripts the narrative in, in people's mindsets before I can even get to, to, to where I am. So I promise right. that because uh, as you and I have shared many times in personal conversations, I, uh, I really enjoy uh, working with other people, helping them navigate the waters of, of entrepreneurship, of business, of, you know, just growing in general in life. I, I really enjoy uh, helping others, you know, find and, and, and get to their purpose. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough journey. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the city of Rochester by East High School. Um, you know, pretty uh, uh, typical uh, city kid, you know, for the most part. Um, you know, uh, uh, I guess, where, where would I start here, Shad? Um, give me just a second here. I'm, I'm not one to normally struggle for words, but with everything going on, as we talked about before this, you know, my, my level of introspect has changed. I guess, I guess, you know, we'll start with, with where I started. Uh, 2003 would be my, uh, my first year in business. And I started in the automotive world. I started with a company that I bought, which, uh, sold, uh, automotive accessories. They dabbled in wheelchair accessible vehicle sales and service and in emergency vehicles. And Within six months of being in the company, I purchased the company and completely transformed it. We moved out of the automotive accessory world, uh, focused our efforts into what was known as the mobility industry or the wheelchair accessible van world, if you will, uh, and, and really kind of took our journey off from there. Yeah. I don't know how detailed you want me to get, but I, you know, my background is very diverse. I've, I've bought and sold at this point 14 companies in my 17 plus years of being in business. And I've been a part of five different industries and, uh, you know, really, really have some, uh, you know, wild experiences, if you will, roller coasters of being a business owner. So I'll probably let you lead with some of those things or I could bore everybody to death with. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stood out to me when you said purpose um, you know, you like, uh, for people to find their purpose. So would you consider yourself a purpose driven entrepreneur? Like there's a lot of different ones, right? Some people just, they have a business and it's all about the money, you know? Um, yeah. and, and profit does come into play, but then there are some who are, you know, I know like a 
Katie Wallace, she's into like sustainability. Um, mm -hmm. So when you say you like helping people find their purpose, uh, what did you mean by that? Well, it's funny you, you said about purpose driven. So in uh, 2010, I uh, started a, a shell company which owns all my, my businesses, and it's called Purpose Driven Solutions. And my email, mm. as you may know, is pds at ccurts at pds-ny.com. And people often ask me, what does PDS stand for? And it stands for Purpose Driven Solutions. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when, when I was young, uh, working hard and building businesses was a way to escape my environment. It was a way to escape my, you know, my, my, myself, you know, my anxiety that I went through, uh, my, you know, personal traumatic experiences, which many of us have. It was, it was a way to hide. It was a healthy way to hide. A lot of people turn, you know, unfortunately to uh, things that, 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 you know, can be unhealthy in other ways. I focused really hard on business. You know, early on in my early to mid-20s, I can't tell you I really understood my purpose. Uh, I, I felt the fire. I felt the passion and, and had the drive to wake up early and stay up late. But I, I didn't know what that was. Um, as time went on and, and I succeeded and failed, uh, learned hard lessons, had to have hard conversations, uh, had to hear things that as a business owner, as a CEO, and as a friend you don't want to hear. Uh, you know, it causes you to look in the mirror and, and, and start to ask yourself, you know, who am I, who do I want to be, and what do I want to do? Yeah. Um, so absolutely, everything is purpose-driven. Wow. You know, and then you mentioned how you uh, you bought an com automotive company um, and you, you know, had your strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, what I think of is, you know, some people, they have their own business idea. They start the business and then they push forward. When you purchase a business and then you shape it the way you want it to, how do you have the same passion, right? Because a lot of times, like, people usually compare, like, their business to their baby, you know? Like, it was their initial idea. You know, you come up with an idea, you make it a reality. But how do you have it? the same type of or similar passion when uh, you purchase a company? That, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, I've been asked that in various capacities and in ways. Um, the truth is I don't have a, a passion for any of the businesses in terms of the industries that I currently own or previously owned. Uh, I saw those businesses as a vehicle. I saw those as a means of transportation to get me to where I wanted to go uh, from a standpoint of, of generating uh, income and, and ultimately wealth to uh, relationships, which would allow me to ultimately uh, affect the goals and, and results that I wanted to in life. I would say that even, even as a young man at 23, 24, you know, when, when I was really just getting started in my, in my, uh, uh, ride as a business owner and CEO, if you will, I had an innate understanding of what I wanted to do in life. I couldn't articulate it. I probably couldn't put it into, in, into terms and words that people would understand, but I always knew that I wanted to do bigger things. And, and bigger doesn't necessarily mean own a billion-dollar company. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, run for president or Congress. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, yeah. I've always had a passion for, you know, uh, for people, you know, I, I know what it's like to feel left behind. I know what it's like to not have anybody to turn to, not anybody I could borrow a dollar from or anybody that understood 
let alone had the ability to help me with the things that I needed help with. So I always had a passion to, to catapult myself and build my businesses in a way which would allow me to do those types of things. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a journey, man. Um, you know, uh, looking back on it, uh, I would say if you said, Chris, you know, where was the turning point? You know, for me, at, at 34 years old, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and you know, not given a, a tremendous prognosis. Um, you know, I was on top of the world, so to speak. I was 34 years old, making a, a lot of money uh, by anybody's standards, not just by a small city like Rochester. I yeah. employed over 200 people, four companies in two states, six cities. You know, uh, that year I had the number six and 24 top 100 company in the Rochester top 100. And uh, I remember, yeah, I remember sitting in the Rochester Top 100 Awards dinner, uh, not a hair on my body. And anybody that knows me knows I, I can grow a beard in three days. I'm a hairy guy. And, <laughs> you know, not a hair on my body. And I'm sitting there sweating, you know, from pain and, and just the chemotherapy and everything I'm going through. And I honestly remember saying, this, this isn't worth it. This, this, this isn't worth it. The, you know, the accolades, the Rochester Business Journal articles, DNC articles, the millions and millions of dollars, it's, it's not worth it. And, you know, that was probably the biggest turning point for me of deciding that it was really time to uh, intersect what I call, uh, um, I just lost my train of thought, but that happens as you get older. No, you know, I appreciate you being vulnerable sharing that. Uh, I know that's not. Yeah easy to share and um you know i i'm thankful for for your presence you know uh and your mentorship over sure, over man. the years um and the sure, fact man. that you know all that you've um all your all the success you have had but also um you know your ability your resiliency you know um managing 200 employees and then going through what you went through but then still maintaining um to be strong not only for yourself or but for other others around you so i did want to uh you know tip my hat to you on that yeah tip my hat on you to that um and i I think that's one of the things we talked about is like eq over iq i think like yeah um you know how you were able to um that turning point you know um and uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, EQ over IQ is big. We've talked about it multiple times, you and I. It's something that when I can find the right words in the right forum, that I, I make some posts on LinkedIn. It's my only social media presence, so uh, I try to post some stuff there. But same here. Where I was going before <laughs> before I, I lost I lost my train of thought was. Um, you know, if you've ever looked at intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, the way that I describe it to people is intrinsic motivation, you know, that's the person that just wakes up and gives them their best, whether it gives everybody their best, whether you, as an employee or an employer, whether you pay that person who's intrinsically motivated $5 a week or $500,000 a week, you're going to get the same result because they're just innately, intrinsically wired to do what they can do. Extrinsic motivation is that kind of proverbial carrot that's dangled. People would think that, you know, salespeople are are traditionally the poster child for extrinsic motivation. If you do this, I'll give you this. Um, when I was when I was going through chemo and, and when I was sitting back, you know, introspectively, really looking at myself and my family, wife and kids, businesses, friends, employees, you know, vendors, 
and when I decided it really wasn't worth it, um, it was because I just I wasn't checking all the boxes. I wasn't checking the boxes of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. You know, I, there were companies that I was making a lot of money in, but I, I, I just it wasn't me. It, it just didn't. Even though I did good things and provided good services to the community, it wasn't me. And then likewise, there were things that I really didn't make a lot of money in, but I just I loved it. So what I've spent the last, uh, it's been seven years now, uh, almost almost seven years since since uh, I finished chemo, what I've really spent my time working on and, and working towards is finding that corner where uh, uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation meet and allowing me to, to effectively get all that reward. Um, you know, I, I'd rather make less money with great people than, than a lot of money with, with people I don't enjoy. And the other way I say it is I'd rather eat ramen with great people than steak and lobster with people that just aren't my tribe, not my cup of tea. And, mm. you know, that, that's, that's the direction I'm going in for hopefully the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, it, it sounds like uh, you became more aware like it's unfortunate yeah. that like you were diagnosed with that. Like I, I won't wish that on anyone, but that awareness, you know, came in, yeah. came into play. And, um, you know, for me, my awareness point was, uh, when, uh, me and my ex-wife got divorced and, you know, like divorce is kind of, I compare it to like a mini, even though it's like the death of a relationship and, uh, you know, um, I hit a financial uh, rock bottom at that point. Um, and I had to rebuild myself. And I think um, what we share is that's when I became aware. Because before that, I, I think I did everything out of selflessness. I did everything mm -hmm. for everybody else, but I wasn't really doing things for me. So yeah. I had to figure out, I had to build my own identity and my own values and, uh, you know, make a choice. And actually, um, that's when I first found out about emotional intelligence. Um, I went through a few, uh, workshops and, you know, um, took some assessments and, uh, since 2017, um, cause I think you and I met in 2018, um, mm -hmm. or 2019, one of those, some, somewhere along the lines. 17 or 18. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Not 19. Okay. Um, and uh, so you met me when I was learning about and, and, and becoming a better man. So I think we both became um, aware in our own ways. And yeah. for me, I would say relationships have gotten better since then. Um, and I'm sure they have for you. And I'm sure if other people tapped into uh, EQ or IQ, their relationships would be better. There's, there's no question. You know, I think the thing that a lot of us um, fail to recognize are our patterns and not just patterns in our own behavior, but patterns in the results that we're getting. You know, for me, uh, the, probably the single biggest source of frustration, and I'm, I'm willing to share this openly and publicly because I think it's, it's that important for, for mankind and, and human in general uh, to, to understand this is seeing the patterns, the emotional patterns, and seeing exactly what's happening. Because at the end of the day, if five out of 10, six out of 10 times, you're getting a result that you feel is inconsistent with what you're putting in or who you are or what you represent, all those people can't be wrong. 
And, you know, for me, that turning point came when, uh, and, I, and I've done, shot. I've done a, a lot of business. I mean, into the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, you know, I've, I've really been blessed and, and fortunate and worked hard and had great people come through my companies, uh, maybe, uh, you know, right people, wrong time, wrong time, right people, vice versa, all that stuff. But, you know, the, the experiences and things that I've been able to go through have really helped me understand that the one constant in every relationship I have is me. You know, every relationship, my mother, my father, my sisters, my wife, my children, my businesses, employees, vendors, friends, neighbors, the one constant is me. Everything else is a variable. So if I'm getting consistent results with all types of people, all, all walks, genders, and just all types of people, and I'm finding a consistency to results, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's saying something. And the one thing that, that was really hard for me to learn was that people uh, uh, perceived me a certain way. They perceived me as combative. They perceived me as closed-minded. And, um, you know, that hurt because the truth is, on a personal level, uh, I'm the opposite. Anybody who takes the time to get to know me knows that, that that's just not who I am. But professionally, I crafted myself in a, in a very hardened fashion where I was a results-driven person and, and feelings didn't matter. And um, I'm embarrassed. Um, I would say ashamed, but I'm not. I'm embarrassed, but but grateful to admit that I was almost 40 years old when I realized that results mattered less than how people felt. And I mean that from a standpoint of your customers, from your employees, from your vendors. You know, when, when you have multi-million dollar relationships that you do a tremendous job for, and they don't want to work with you. They like you personally, and you're doing a great job for them, but they don't want to work with you. You know, that's hard to wrap your head around. So, you know, I can't say I've, I've mastered the art of making people feel great. I've, I'm probably still pretty bad at it, to be honest, but I'm aware of it. And uh, it's something that I think, you know, we all need to do a better job of is really seeing how others around you are feeling and, and what your interaction together is like for them. Mm. That's powerful. Uh, that reminds me of, um, you know how they say perception is reality? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's re navigating uh, relationships, personal or professional, uh, it's difficult because you never know what, you, what you're saying or doing, how it impacts the other person, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, they could right. say you're this kind of person when maybe it was just a misunderstanding or they may feel uh, intimidated, but maybe it's just a, cult a culture difference, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, people are people and it's, 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 it's difficult to navigate those things. It's difficult to, uh, especially when it comes to our, our reputation, our personal brand. Um, That's right. You know, it, it's not, it's not an easy it's not an easy thing, not an easy solution. And um, I think we all, whether we own our own business or we're in a career scene, um, you just never know. And it's one of those things, it's trial and error. You take that feedback and uh, you try to grow from it as best you can. Um, but there's no book on this, you know? There's all kind the of advice, and, you know, there's no, there's, there's no book out there, you know? You know, I think to, to your point, I think the thing that people listening need to hear is 
you know, for those of us that are real, uh, and, and, and you know what I mean by that. It's not that other people aren't real. They may be more polished. They may have went to a school and a college and had mentors and people throughout various stages in their life, which taught them, hey, don't send that email. Don't make that phone call. Don't send that text. Why don't you wait two days before you respond to that? People who, frankly, had a more nurturing upbringing than some of us, myself included, um, you know, the ones who, who sometimes, you know, they, they, they look in the mirror and, 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 you know, they're real, if you will. And, and you know, that's yeah. a term not everybody understands, but some do. Uh, yeah. Being real and being sincere are two different things. And, sure. you know, I've always been a real person and I've always been a sincere person. And, and what I always struggled with was the fact that what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And, you know, I've been willing to pay the price for what's right. And, I never realized that that was my ego until, frankly, probably a year ago because, you know, I thought that the result and, and, and you know, what the, the, the result was mattered more than the experience. And what I found is is that my own ego in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a really weird way has hindered me, has, has prohibited me. I didn't think it was ego. I thought it was a sense of, of correct pride. I thought it was, you know – let's sort this out. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's my fault or your fault, let's just get to it was, was the way you do things. And, and, you know, just going back to, to, you know, the comment I made about people not enjoying, you know, interacting or working with you. Um, I've realized some things that are, that are different. And, and, you know, what I'm working really hard at right now is still being me, still being real, still being vulnerable and sincere, but, you know, I, for instance, you know, a shot what we talked about, you know, not long ago was was the state of the world. You know, right now you've got these narratives from a, a, a political standpoint, you know, coming from both sides that are just volatile. They're volatile. They're they're aggressive. They're sometimes violent. You know, and, and right now we need leadership in this in this city. We need it in the state. We need it in this country. And it's not to say that there aren't people doing it, but. The bottom line is is we need to seek to be the change that we need. If you feel out there, you know, that, that you're lacking something, it's going to be hard to find it. You need to be it. And for me, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I made a post last night about something, and, you know, people might ask me why I did it. And I did it because I want to hold myself accountable. By publicly posting things about respect, it's because I too often have, have allowed my temper or my frustration or shortcomings allow me to be disrespectful. And, you know, I want to do a better job of holding myself accountable. And, and the way to do that is to put yourself out there in a way that if you're not, you're going to get called out. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you brought out earlier how some of us are real. I think, yes, there are those who are sincere. I think, you know, there's a lot of honest people out there. But being real is, you know, when you, when you grow up in, in, in a tough environment, um, even though it's unfortunate, sometimes the, the, the bright side of that is uh, street smarts. Sometimes yeah. it's um, maybe, uh, I don't want to say we have more common sense, but we just see things a little more clear. Uh, yeah. You know, we're able to uh, read situations and read people a little differently. Um, yep. Versus someone maybe they didn't uh, go through as much hardship and, and things of that nature. So, you know, I know for myself, I may without maybe subconsciously walk. I remember um, I was working in an office setting. I think I was 
I was working in Fairport at the time, and um, I think uh, I rubbed some some people. I mean, it's either it's like either people love me or they yeah. respect but don't like me, kind of thing. We um, call that polarization, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, you know, my intention, my intention is not to. F- like some people feel I'm too bossy, you know, or, you know, or people feel I'm too, uh, they feel I'm too blunt, but I feel like I don't want to sugarcoat things, you know, because I, I battle with, okay, how do I say this in a direct way, but don't, but don't sugarcoat the truth. Like it's, 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 it's one of the things, especially when someone asks me a question, like don't ask me a question if you don't want me to be honest to you. Like I can't, I'm not going to tell you what, what you want me to hear uh, or what you want to hear, you know? Um, and here's the, here's that, um, that key question that I ask every guest um, that come on the show. Um, business is personal. You know, that's been the theme uh, for season four. Business is personal. What, what does that mean? What does that mean to you, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And I agree with a lot of what you said about being real, about you know, reading the situation and, and business being personal for me actually touches on that. Uh, as, as you asked earlier, and as, as I mentioned, none of my businesses have ever been something that is like my personal passion. It's not like, you know, I, I injured my toe and I created this new toe support system that helps me walk better and my foot pain is gone. And, and, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm living and breathing it, you know, it's my toe support. Um, yeah. you know, I like my businesses, uh, every one of them I've, I've enjoyed. Um, but I gotta tell you, I've never missed one I've sold. <laughs> I've never missed one I closed. I missed the people, the places, uh, but, but not the business itself. So business is very personal to me. Um, you know, as a kid who grew up in a city uh, who does not have a traditional education, I, I walked out of school at the age of 14 years old, my freshman year of high school. I haven't been in the classroom in, in almost 27 years. I don't have a college degree. I don't have a high school degree. Uh, I never went to a prom. I never went to uh, any of the types of things that that, that most people went to. Uh, and frankly, I, I really didn't experience my first mentorship until I was in my mid-30s. Um, you know, I had to look in the mirror and be honest with myself. I had to say and do things and pay the consequences of the things that I said and did and not like the way I felt you know, not like the, the way that, that, that people, uh, uh, spoke about me. Uh, and, and I've never been somebody to, 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 to steal from people or take from people. Uh, but you know, I, I've been a hard person most of my life. Um, you know, anybody that knows me would, would say, yes, Chris, you're, you're pretty hard. And the worst part about that is anybody that knows me personally would know I'm one of the kindest and most, you know, loving and sincere, loyal people you could meet. So how can somebody that hard be that soft? And, you know, for me, it's been very personal because to, 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 to learn that the people that you respect, that you enjoy working with, like and respect you, but don't like working with you, that's you. I mean, that that's you. They're basically saying, you know, if, if you allow, if you allow that to, to creep in the wrong way, they're saying in one way, Chris, you're not good enough or mm. Chris, we don't like you enough. Um, mm. And and the reality is that, that my raw emotion, my raw passion, my mere energy and presence in the room 
put these people into uh, uh, various states that they didn't want to be in, and, and the results weren't worth uh, the way that they felt. And I would say the personal thing in business for me is understanding that absolutely results matter, but the reality is relationships matter more. And you really need to be cognizant and aware of how the people around you, your employees, your vendors, your customers, you know, how they really feel about interacting with you. And, you know, I, I started to become aware of this in, in my early 30s and was smart enough to delegate and, and have, you know, vice presidents and, and you know, uh, chief operating officers and, you know, uh, just people in, in layers of my companies that, that I allowed to do a lot of this relational management, um, you know. But the truth of it is it, it's probably been the single biggest hurt of my pride as a man to realize that uh, somebody that is as intelligent and capable as me and as caring as me um, isn't doing a great job of representing my brand and who I am in a way that's consistent with who I am. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say the single most personal thing in business for me, if I were to rephrase that, is is understanding um, that you really need to to do a great job of cultivating culture and making sure that the people who interact with you and the people that, that, that work with you uh, feel really good about it. Because if they don't, at the end of the day, all the spoils, all the riches, it, it's not worth it. Uh, you know, it, it, it is uh, at the end of the day when you're laying there and, and, and life is drawing to a close, you know, I, I think you want to really feel that intrinsic value and reward. I think you want to know that people appreciated you and loved you. Um, you know, I, certainly uh, uh, fear and respect go hand in hand. But um, the older I get and, and the more I look back, the more I uh, I, I try to avoid conflict, and, and I was the opposite at a young age. I found it. I looked for it. But, yeah, for me, that's the personal part is uh, is the introspect and, and, and looking back in retrospect and, and really uh, growing, being a, better, being a better person. You know, I find that this is a success story. I don't know how you feel about it. You know, the fact that without a college degree um, and not even finishing high school, I think you said, yeah. You were able to figure out and navigate business. You know, you bought and sold 14 different companies and you, I think you said at your peak, you had 200 employees. I mean, that's yeah. phenomenal. Um, I, I think that like a lot of people, even with a college degree may not have reached that peak of success. And of course, money isn't everything. Um, you know, uh, business entrepreneurship isn't everything, but the fact that you were able to figure that out, um, and you know, you set your mind to something and you made it happen. Um, and it's also as a lesson to different ones. Cause I know for me, like the most successful I was at a job was in the industry. I didn't even have passion for, which was, um, which was construction. And then, um, when I was in pro so for some reason, like, uh, like even when I was at uh, Metro cowork, like I'm not, I wasn't passionate about real estate. Um, but we, you know, leased offices and workspace and things of that nature. And it, I think I was passionate about the people 
and and the clientele, but not necessarily the, the industry. So I think some people, I mean, I think that's a common advice. Oh, find your passion, whether it's working, but it's not necessarily, it's the opportunity. Okay. Um, it's the opportunity and, and conquering on the opportunity. So like, you know, you think about Zoom right now, you know, uh, video, the person that has the video conference um, business may not necessarily be passionate about video conference, but it's an opportunity to make money right now. Um, and then the thing you said, you said relationships matter more than the results. You said that's something you learned in, um, yep. which is so it, it's, it's very true, you know, and, and it's hard, especially, you know, when you're a results based person, I think you and I have similar personalities. Yep. We're like, very you 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 want to get it done and you want to get it done effectively efficiently yep. and you want to master your craft and the fact that you learned that lesson um doesn't take away from your character or it doesn't take away from what you've accomplished um and now you know you you're focusing on that and, uh, you know, I appreciate your, your mentorship. So you're able to pass that, that lesson on others. So I think it's powerful. Yeah. You, I appreciate you too, Ashad. And I'll tell you, I think that's the number one thing that, you know, frankly is missing with, uh, you know, I'm technically a Gen Xer, but you know, with, with the 25 to 45 year old crowd right now is, you know, with, with, with families that had a, 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 you know, a father and a mother both working or single parent households, you know, unlike the generation before us, the baby, uh, baby boomer generation before me, you know, we just haven't had the day to day mentorship. We just don't all have that neighbor that taught us how to use a wrench and taught us how to use a saw and, mm. you know, taught us basic life skills and things. And the result is, I think we have a, a you know, a generation and, and frankly, a, a large majority of our population that's hurting. I think we're, we're hurting emotionally. We, we all suffer from various forms of anxiety. And, you know, there, there's just a general feeling of, I don't want to say hopelessness or helplessness, because that's not it, but of, of desire of, of wanting, wanting more and wanting better. And I think the key in finding your purpose is determining what that more is, because more money, yeah, when you don't have it, it seems like the answer. When you do, it's not. You know, it's it's living the life that you want to live on the terms you want to live. And and I, Shad, I'm very fortunate and blessed, you know, at this point in my life that I have many mentors, younger than me, older than me, in every type of industry. And what we talk about is what's the life you want to live? What's the legacy that you want to live? And by legacy, that doesn't have to mean publicly. That could just mean to your friends and family. But what is it that you want to do? And I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine and a close friend of mine and, and one of my attorneys last night about this. And, and I, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, I've been fired by my biggest customer and I fired my biggest customer. And at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself how you want to spend your day. Because when you're always frustrated, you're going to carry that home. When you're happy, you're going to carry that home. And likewise, when you're frustrated at home, you're going to carry that into work and with your friends and family. So, you know, what I'm trying to do at this point is, you know, I've heard statements from people, your network is your net worth. And I, I think it's very true. What I'm trying to do is surround myself with people who are happy with who they are today, but willing to work on who they want to be tomorrow. 
I think that's that's the statement is be happy and accept yourself for who you are today and work on being somebody better towards the future, yeah. you know. Totally. You know, Chris, I could talk to you forever. Um, so I, I want to thank you for uh, being on today's episode. Um, what I like to do is I give like a 60 second recap. Um, so purpose driven, you know, when you yeah. own a business, um, being purpose driven, um, even if the company you run is not necessarily uh, something you're passionate about, but having a purpose behind what you're doing uh, could elevate you. EQ over IQ. Um, that's so important for relationships, personal and professional, um, enhancing those relationships, managing them. Um, and the third point was relationships matter more uh, than results. It's true we want to produce a good result, especially, uh, you know, whether we're a salesperson or a business person. Um, the result does matter, but relationships matter just a bit more. And then something to reflect on, legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? So, Chris, thank you for being on today's episode. Uh, pre appreciate you. Yeah, Lashad, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I um, appreciate your friendship. And uh, anytime I can help, you know, anybody listening, I'm, I'm really easily accessible. You can reach out to Ashad. You may have caught my email address. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm here and I'm real. And if I can help you, I'd love to. For sure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating, share on social media, and make sure you come back for more episodes on Season 4 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where business is personal.